Welcome to Valley Lights Church Online. Have you ever been lied to by someone? And once you found out, how did you feel about it? Probably not too good. Maybe the relationship recovered, maybe it never recovered. Man, lying, lying has a way of doing that. Back when I was dating my uh, wife, she's my wife now, she was my girlfriend then, we were in high school, and uh, actually one of the first times we hung out, I went to drop her off at home. Uh, it was sort of late at night and her parents were gone and her parents had this rule. She was the firstborn and so all the strictest rules were on her. <laughs> and the rules were no one, no one can come inside the house of the other gender um, if the parents aren't home. I mean, seems like a reasonable rule, but you know, it was in that situation. We dropped her off and, uh, you know, we just wanted to hang out a little bit longer. So I'm thinking, hey, what's the big deal? We'll just, it'll just be, I'm just going to come check out her house. It'll be a few minutes. And uh, so I did. And it's not totally what you're thinking. We didn't cross any physical boundaries or anything like that. Um, well, except for the one boundary of no, can't go inside <laughs> if the parents aren't home. And so we, we went inside, we chat, we hung out for a little bit. And then I left. And uh, yeah, it, was a, it was just a nice night, nice hangout. And I didn't think anything about it, and I hadn't realized that while we were chatting inside in the living room, my wallet had slipped out of my pocket into the armchair that I was sitting in. And the next morning, uh, my wife's, or my girlfriend's father, he said, uh, you mind telling me what this is, wallet is all about? And she's like, ah! <laughs> well, great job, Bruce. Good job, me, for... Um, making things really hard on this girl that I really liked. And it didn't go well for her. And this is not a good way to earn trust with who would become my future father-in-law. Man, that's, uh, that wasn't a great start. Whether you've been lied to or whether you've done the lying, deception of any kind has a way of damaging relationships. The truth eventually comes out and deception it always violates trust. Trust is so important. Every relationship is built on our ability to trust each other. And when you do trust someone, you can relate over the long term. Trust is the bedrock of relationships and it's also essential for teams. And here at Valley Lights Church, we are a group of people teaming together to accomplish a lot. There's some big goals that we want to accomplish. And so today we're going to look at a crucial practice that's required for trust to grow. My name is Bruce, and I'm really glad that you're tuning in today. Um, if you're newer to Valley Lights, or you're just kind of new listening along, I'd actually love to get the chance to meet you and say hello, so leave some contact info. We're heading into the second topic of our current message series. It's called Relationship Glue. <laughs> And in this series, we're exploring God's relational guidelines that help us to build trust. And what do we do when we damage it? How do you fix that? We're going to see that when we take God's approach, it results in a kind of glue that makes us really strong and cohesive. God's ways really can make relationships enjoyable over the long haul, a long haul for many years. So these guidelines, they're commands that we practice over and over, year after year, and we call them the heart attitudes. They're our core values. And even our kids, 
in KidsOwner on Sunday mornings are covering these seven values as well. And they're not, it's not gimmicks, it's not fun little statements, they're summaries of New Testament commands that even the very earliest Christians practiced. And we believe that the heart attitudes create a culture that helps us be effective towards the mission that Jesus has given us. So last week we looked at heart attitude number one, put the goals and interests of others above my own. We default to a pretty me-above-you approach to life, and we've got to break that before relationships can start to flow. The second heart attitude that we're looking at today, it deals with this issue of deception and concealment and trust. So there's a, a fun clip that I'm going to be showing in our live service, but it's from a TV series that we've been watching. It's called All Creatures Great and Small. It's, about a, it's an English period piece about a farm vet in a rural, rural, rural town. There's this old woman who brings her parakeet to be seen by the vet, and the bird is like family to her. She doesn't have anybody, any other source of joy in her house, and the vet's assistant accidentally kills the parakeet by grabbing out, him out of the cage too roughly. And so then they hatch this brilliant plan to replace the parakeet, which should work out because, well, the old lady's almost entirely blind, and she would never know the difference anyway. <laughs> and uh, what, what ends up happening is uh, they give her the new bird who's, you know, chirping, and she says, he's never been able to chirp before. This is amazing. <laughs> and uh, throughout the whole episode, there's just a handful of people lying to each other, and everyone's trying to cover it up, and it all falls apart. You probably don't need me to tell you, deception has a way of making life harder. I don't know if you've ever heard this quote, tell a lie once and then all of your truths become questionable. Man, I've, I've been in that situation. At times, I haven't been totally honest with my wife about something. And then she says, well, if that wasn't true, what else are you hiding? And I'm, nothing, I'm not hiding anything. Well, how do I know that's, that's true? <laughs> Even with just a so-called white lie, things can unravel pretty fast. And, you know, in that story, in the video clip that, that we showed, you know, you'd think, what kind of monster do you have to be to lie to a sweet old lady? But on the other hand, who wants to tell her that you just killed her only pride and joy in life? Is the lie justified? What happens when she eventually finds out what would happen. The truth is that deceit and deception, it destroys our inner peace. First off, whenever you get into lying, there's some anxiety that starts building up because I don't want to get caught. <laughs> In fact, I may have to lie to get out of the first lie. And, you know, that strategy always works really well. <laughs> Actually, no one has a good enough memory to keep track of what lie was said to which person at what time? Oh man, no one's got a memory good enough to be a successful liar. But in contrast, honest people, they can just relax. Don't have to worry about it. Also look at Ephesians 4.30. Uh, Paul writes, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And this statement he makes comes after a few additional statements about related to speaking lies and falsehood, um, other kinds of unwholesome talk, damaging ways of relating. And whenever we get into, de into deception, it grieves the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. We who are Christians, we can, we can sense an inner anguish 
from the Holy Spirit that adds to our inner turmoil. So deceit, it, da- it destroys our inner peace. It also damages relationships with God and with people. In Proverbs, it says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. That's quite a contrast. Lying, it sets us at odds with God and with people. Once, once people find out the deception, they pull back. Suddenly they're hesitant or they're not trusting or they're not going to be revealing or open in a relationship. Sometimes it might take 10 times as much truth and faithfulness before we can rebuild damaged trust. Maybe after just one lie. I want to have a, actually, throughout this series, we're going to be having a few people from our church share their experience with these different hard attitudes to really bring it to life. And so I've asked uh, Barry, he's one of the guys on our launch team, to share his experience with heart attitude number two, this one about living an honest and open life. And so listen to his story here. Uh, but as I went through being at the, uh, the church I was at previously where we did the heart attitudes, um, it was probably about five years into being there. Uh, I was part of a ministry training program, uh, which was called Antioch Project. It's a lot of work. Um, Bruce and Aaron, I know were part of it and as well as my wife, Holly. And, um, you know, we were all doing a lot of work, um, a lot of responsibility associated with it. Uh, God was starting to kind of put his finger on some things that I had lied about in the program and that I needed to clean up. So nobody, you know, none of my pastors or anything noticed anything or told me that I needed to, um, to change or do anything, but. Yeah, as we're practicing the hard attitudes, I was aware that this was something that God was telling me that I needed to fix. And um, as I was kind of searching out both of these things, like, what is it, God, that you want me to do? And then why am I not developing? I realized that I was really skimming through and not doing the work. And um, we had a very specific thing that we had agreed to, um, a lot of books um, that we were reading every month. And, uh, you know, infer, like uh, portfolio that we were turning in and there was, I just wasn't doing the work and I'd kind of, you know, I'd, I'd turn in the work, uh, but it wasn't, uh, I wasn't really reading the books the way everybody else was. And I wasn't going through the material and, um, it was really embarrassing to me, but I had to go to my coach and say, I'm not doing it. What the heck, what do I do? How do I clean this up? And, uh, God had made it pretty clear that, uh, me cleaning it up was more important than me getting away with this. And um, it was awful. I had to tell my coach who was my pastor, which was really embarrassing. Um, as part of cleaning it up before the program, I had to tell all of my friends in the program in front of everybody what I had been doing and uh, confess that and clean that up. And um, for a little while, I wasn't even in the program. I had to take a, uh, a year off. Um, to kind of catch up and kind of, you know, clean up all the things that I had said I had done, uh, get back on track and uh, get back to it. And um, it was really embarrassing. It was awful. But looking back, I'm really thankful that I did it because it was basically, it was God's way of helping me to lay a, a clean slate and, uh, and a firm foundation. And, and all kinds of benefits have come out of it, even though it was awful. Honestly, I, I was able to build way stronger relationships because people could trust me. They could see that what I said I was going to do, I was going to do. And, um, and that's honestly just meant the world to me.
as Barry shared that story about he was in this program, it's an academic ministry training program called Antioch Project. I was actually enrolled as a student during that time, and I remember when he got up in front of the class and confessed um, the different ways that he had been deceptive and hiding things about the, the work that he, he said he was doing but wasn't doing. And it was a very instructive experience for me because, you know, I'd been in other academic settings before in college and, you know, you could cheat and you could get away with it. But in this setting, which was with our church and our pastor and other people, in, uh, friends of ours, there was a higher accountability that I, I saw how seriously our leaders were taking this whole matter of truth and deception and, and to what seriousness we as a group needed to live by that. And that was, it was very helpful for me to see that. It almost made me sit up a little straighter and take note of what I was doing. If we're not honest, man, we can't ever build trust. If we have a habit of deception, the trust is not going to grow. If you have been lied to, you know that. You know the damage and the pain that comes from that. Or if you have ever lied to someone else, you know the pain of damaged relationships from that end. In this community, in our church family, we want to build a different culture than what's normal in our society. We want to build a culture of honesty and openness where trust between you and me can flow. And... One of the reasons for that is, even though lying comes so natural to us humans, God is very different than that. God's nature is truth. Look at what is said about him in Numbers. God is not a man that he might lie. He's not a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? The answer is, of course, no, he doesn't. He's got complete integrity, complete oneness between what he says and what he does, total truth. There's some other verses as well related to this that we see about God's nature of truth. In contrast, Satan, the other guy, Satan's nature is lies. Look at what John 8:44 says about him. Actually, Jesus was speaking to a group and he says to them, he says, you are of, the, of your father, the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When Satan tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. There's actually a whole bunch of verses as well on this describing the, the very nature, the deceptive nature of our enemy. And so that means whenever we lie, we act in line with Satan. We step on his turf and we become like him. And whether it's an intentional lie or we just refrain from telling the truth and we just kind of let people believe something that's not totally accurate, if we stay on Satan's turf too long, we can be taken captive by him and we start doing his will, start end up doing the things that he wants. We become his pawns and he moves us around causing damage here and disunity there and a lot of destruction in our path as a result of that. It's one of the reasons that God takes this whole issue of truth and honesty so seriously. It's a big deal to God. Starting way back in the Old Testament, God was laying out his standard for his people, the Israelites, 
And they were instructed with this boundary. In Leviticus, he says, do not lie. Do not deceive one another. This, you know, lying, it would have an impact on the rest of the community. It would have an impact on, on their families, their spouses, their children, their brothers and sisters, the neighbors. Trust is critical for the health of a whole community of people. And then later, Paul described the early church as a body. And he says in Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, lying and deception, which really has been native to human beings since Adam and Eve, since the very beginning. Being deceived and then deceiving others, that is the way of nature for us. But Paul says we need to let the lies go and replace it. And he says, uh, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now, the metaphor of the body is really powerful because when, if your foot gets injured or your elbow or you cut yourself or there's a joint problem, the rest of your body knows and responds to that injury. And it may affect the way that you go about your day because your body parts are interdependent and they're all working together. Whenever different parts of my body are lying to each other, that's when the trouble begins. <laughs> and when someone isn't being honest in our body, in our church family, we all pay a price. The body is robbed of growth because we're all connected. And because this is such a big issue that touches all of life and community, here is heart attitude number two. The second value is to live an honest, open life before others. We are supposed to live very different than Satan, from very different from the usual ways of this world, from our own instincts. The way that we live is truthing. <laughs> the word truthing is actually not an English word, but if you look at Ephesians 4.15, it says, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. Now, this phrase in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth, that's a common translation, but it's actually written from a Greek word that is a verb. Speaking the truth is actually one verb. It's a word called truthing. Kind of like, you know, instead of the opposite would be lying. You know, we got to get rid of the pattern of lying and we need to develop a pattern of truthing. So it's more than just speaking the truth. It's doing the truth thinking the truth, in all ways practicing the truth in our relationships. So this, this interesting word, truthing, what it means is that we're free from deception and lies. When we deceive, it means we cause someone to accept what is true, what is actually false. <laughs> uh, basically, I, I might cause you to believe some things that just aren't true. Or, the, or to lie is to make an untrue statement or simply to create a misleading impression. You can certainly lie with words. You can, you can say something that is a lie, but you could also lie with your looks, with body motions, or, or even just being silent. There's a lot of ways to lie and let a false impression be taken as truth. And it's easy. It is so easy for us to do this. Do you remember Pinocchio, the puppet who with the help of a magic fairy, becomes a boy. And just like us, he's got a problem with lying. And his problem, though, is worse because every time he told a lie, his nose would grow. Aren't you glad that doesn't happen to you? <laughs> Anytime you deceive or say something that's not totally accurate. One area that's really tempting to lie is 
when we exaggerate about things. Like, man, I ran five miles a day. Well, actually it was 2.6, but you know, I'm just kind of rounding up and I, yeah, I don't want to say two and a half. Or like, you know, for me, I could say, man, there were, there were a million people, or I could say like, um, there was a hundred people at church. Well, there weren't a hundred, there's actually 60. And uh, it's a bit of an exaggeration, which I, if I would have said, hey, there was like a million people there, everyone knows I'm, I'm exaggerating. But if I kind of exaggerate sort of just a little bit to make it sound better, sometimes our motive is to slant things so that it looks better for us. And with every lie for Pinocchio, the nose sprouts and it became more and more obvious to the people around him. Honesty matters, even in the little things. And so if we live this true thing, if we do truth, it also means that we walk in the truth. John wrote about this in one of his letters to the church. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That word to walk, it means to live in the truth. John's saying that lots of the Christ followers were truth-telling, and they had integrity in the way that they were living. And it caused a tremendous amount of joy for John. What a joy it is to see that being played out. Truthing means we also imitate Jesus because he is the truth. Jesus said this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. At the core of reality is God. And if we're to reflect him accurately, we've got to be truthful. Truthing also means that we avoid Satan's traps. Lying can actually set us up to be snared by the demonic. Here's an example of that. Early in the life of the church in the first century, there was a pattern of some extra giving and financial generosity that was starting to show up. Here's one example. Joseph, and this is in Acts 4, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, one of the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field that he owned and he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now there's a a couple who watched and saw this happen. And uh, they thought, hey, we want to be generous too. But they decided that it would be a good opportunity for them to get some status, that if people saw their giving, they'd get some recognition from it. Now, a man, so here's, here's the couple, a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira, they sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself and brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So there was some deception here about, uh, they gave the impression that it was the full amount when actually he held some back. But it was just enough to make them look good. So then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Ooh, that's an amazing statement at the end right there. Lying to God. Do you want to face that predicament? Whenever we get into lying, we start playing into the enemy's hands. And it sets into motion problems and oftentimes very serious consequences. Here's another thing to consider on this whole topic of lying and deception. If you're a parent, boy, and I am, I'm a parent of four, we are setting an example for our kids. Maybe that can be another motivator for us. 
that the next generation, those coming after us, man, they need, they need a good example. Truth telling can be very difficult. It can be very costly at times. But our kids need, need an example of what that looks like. And the tests will just keep coming, even as you parent, in small things like being given incorrect change at the store or big things like taxes for the family. As a kid, my parents would uh, sneak us into another movie theater after we watched the movie that we paid for. And as a kid, I even thought, this seems wrong. (laughs) Like, it seems like, you know, we didn't pay for that. Uh, And so it was sort of a confusing example for me, and it dorked up my moral compass a little bit. And there was other ways that I began to just be willing to cut corners and not have the integrity that I needed. As my kids get older and gain more privileges in life, I want the privileges to be tied to trust and honesty. And whenever there's patterns of deception for them, I really want them to do well in life. We have got to work with them on those patterns before granting more privileges. I mean, if you're a parent, is there anybody that you know or do you have, do you have any kids that have never lied? <laughs> if you're a parent, you know the answer is kids lie and they need to learn not to. And so we uh, bring consequences in, to our kids whenever they do wrong. Which, you know, might include things other than lying, maybe, you know, hitting or disobedience. And sometimes when they do wrong, I'll pull back or I'll just give, extend some mercy or um, use uh, a different way to, to redirect or correct. But when it comes to lying, discipline needs to happen every single time. Many times I've explained some of these things about God being light and truth and Satan being the father of lies, and how big of a deal it is to God. And I would, I would even say, you know, to my daughter or, or to my son, I really want to trust you. But when you lie to me, I can't trust you. I, it, they, it breaks our relationship together. That's why it's such a big deal. For all of us, lies, it makes us back off from people. Truth has a way of building relationships while lies undermine them. So, if we are going to be honest in life, that means that the person that I present on the outside reasonably reflects the me on the inside. That what I say and the way I think, the way I present, it's, I'm not deceiving anybody. What I present to be the truth is actually the way things really are with me. Here's, here's a cultural example. <laughs> I uh, snapped this picture in Panera of their drink station, and you can see on the image that uh, there's a big sticker that says, enjoy with ice on the drinks. And I thought, man, that's nice. They, they, really, they really care about increasing my enjoyment. Uh, they went through the trouble to print and attach reminders for people to really have uh, more enjoyment of their drinks by adding it ice. And then you realize people we know how to use ice machines. And when customers fill a cup up with ice, the store goes through less drink product and they benefit financially. So actually, on the exterior, what appears to be for my benefit may actually just be self-interest for the store. <laughs> and you know what? I think there's ways that we do this as well. We can present an image of ourselves that isn't accurate. 
we may present a slightly skewed image of who we are or what we're thinking in order to make ourselves look better or to be somewhat self-interested. And whenever that's discovered, whenever people find out there's, there's a gap or there's dissonance between what we're projecting and what we really are, then people pull back. Living every day in the truth instead, it leads to a much better life. Look at what Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. He says, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There is great freedom that comes from living in the truth. Not only like a lightness and a buoyancy and a joy in life, that kind of freedom, but also the ability to grow in how I see, that I see things that I see what's causing problems and I, and I begin to see the truth about how to deal with them. Knowing the truth helps us clearly identify our alternative choices in life that really lead to either well-being or to trouble. So the truth really does set us free and free leads to a much better life. Maybe one next step is to confess and come clean with any lies that God has brought to mind. Maybe there's a relationship with somebody that you haven't been totally honest about and you want to get that cleaned up. Another next step might be to ask God for help to stop a pattern of deception. Boy, we need his help and we need the Holy Spirit who lives within us for those who are Christians to change some of those ways of living. So we can pray and ask for his help and he answers. Another next step might be to memorize um, a verse. Uh, I would recommend Ephesians 4, 25. Uh, one of the core verses for this message today. And actually, I, I'd strongly recommend memorizing a verse for each message in this series as we look at those seven crucial heart attitudes. Or you might decide, at the very least, my next step is to continue listening to the rest of this series and keep learning God's relational guidelines. And there may be some other next step that I haven't mentioned, but maybe has been stirring and prompting in you as you listen. Last week, we looked at heart attitude number one, which is put the goals and interests of others above my own. And that really is a prerequisite for this kind of honesty to grow in our community here. Because no one really wants to be honest and genuine in a group of people that are only looking out for themselves. We need that strong pattern first of serving one another, of helping genuinely considering each other's goals. That really paves the way for honesty. And if you haven't heard the message on heart attitude number one, you can go back and listen on our website or our podcast. And throughout the next couple of weeks, review these heart attitude messages for a bigger picture of the culture that we're trying to create. And we're going to be highlighting stories from people right here in our church that are seeing the benefit of this lived out. So heart attitude number two today, we talked about living an honest, open life before others. That's a really hard commandment to obey. Living so that there's a match between what's on the outside and what's on the inside, that's really hard. And there's a lot of situations where, man, it takes discernment. Like, what, what should I share? How much? And to who? Those are some questions that we're going to answer next week. Because, because today we looked mainly at this idea of deception. How do we just, first of all, stop doing the damage? How do we do damage control on our relationships? But next week, we're going to look at what are the ways of wisely being open that create 
re relationships that are deep and very enjoyable. It brings a really, how do you get relationships to the next level of enjoyment and delight? So I hope you'll join us again next week. Let's pray together. Father God, you are light and truth, and we are so grateful for you, for giving us the ability to see what is real and what is true, and Jesus, for your pattern of living and walking in the truth. Help us to do that. Help us to be people of integrity and help our church to be one that considers each other's goals and then walks in truth and thinks and sees and acts in truth. Help us to deal with those skeletons in the closet that may have developed from deception um, and help us to honor you through that as we bring things into the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.